This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. to you. Welcome into the action line from WGNS. We're going to be talking lawns and gardens this morning. Mitchell Motes with us from the Rutherford County Agricultural Extension Service. Hey, Mitchell, good morning. Hey, Mark, good morning to you, sir. Good to have you with us on this beginning of fall morning. Yeah, this is... This 60 is something degrees. Fine, fine little morning so far. Yeah, nice weather, and everybody's ready for a change in season. That's the beauty of Tennessee. We've got all four seasons, and uh, Generally, yeah, we, we typically do. Yeah, so, sometimes uh, some some seem to last longer than others. But yeah, we do have a change. That's yeah. always nice. Always great. Now, what should people be doing right now? I mean, here we are, uh, mid September. Uh, what, what's what's the what what's the weather calling for? <clears throat> well, so you know, this September through the middle of October is the is is the window uh the recommended window and when i say recommended recommended by ut extension that uh, folks do renovation work improvement for cool season turf grasses you know in home lawns those are things like tall fescue and, and predominantly tall fescue that kentucky bluegrass is a cool season grass uh perennial ryegrass is a cool season the fine fescues are cool season grasses as well but the the primary uh, cool season grass that folks grow in home lawns in in Middle Tennessee, in Tennessee in general, but especially in Middle Tennessee, are going to be uh, turf type tall fescue. So that September through mid October is the, uh, the 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 best time uh, to to establish cool season grasses from seed. Now, why well, why do they go with that particular type of grass? Does it do better here? Or well, what? it it yeah, it's it, it uh, stronger, uh, better survivability uh, throughout throughout the year. Uh, you know, the fine fescues, uh, they've got to have shade uh, in order to survive. So, if you've got really uh, shady places, uh, then then they would be the more uh, appropriate grasses to use. But understand that. If you have enough shade, there's no grass going to grow there because all all of these grasses that are used as turf grasses have a requirement for some sunlight. But the the fine fescues and, and, and fine fescues are things like strong creeping red fescue, hard fescue, chewings fescue. They they require some shade. They don't do well in the direct sunlight, but they do need some shade. Um, so. The tall fescue, I mean, it'll grow in, in, in full sun. It'll grow uh, in, in light shade as well. It has pretty good wear resistance. And uh, it it will give you the greatest number of months of green color by using a single species of grass out there. And, you know, for that reason, a lot of folks uh, prefer it uh, over others. If you lived in a different place, that might be a different story. You know, Kentucky bluegrass in the areas where Kentucky bluegrass is... Uh, grown a lot you know does very well uh but for us uh here just our environment the the heat and such associated with uh the uh uh 
what we have in our summer times is not real conducive to Kentucky bluegrass unless you've got an irrigation system. Um, it, it's, it's a higher water user than than tall fescue is, and it doesn't tolerate uh, doesn't tolerate shade quite as well as tall fescue does. So, for those reasons, you know, tall fescue wins out as far as the the, the dominant cool season grass. We have a text here from a listener who okay. is asking. Uh, they say they have just moved into their home, uh, and the yard was pretty rough to start with. Had some weeds in it and things of that sort. Uh, if they're going to reseed and get some new grass, should they get everything off first? Should they take it down to the dirt, or is it too late for that? No, it's not too late for that. And you know, kind of rule of thumb is if you don't have at least fifty percent desirable grasses, Bart, there's somebody waving at you out here. <laughs> okay. if, if you don't have fifty percent desirable ground cover, then you know, your lawn is going to be a candidate for total renovation. And a total renovation is where you're going to uh, kill the existing vegetation and 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 reest- or establish you know desirable grasses there. So um, you know that let that let that kind of be your guide, I guess. If you don't have 50% desirable ground cover, then uh, think about killing it all off. How do you do that? You're going to be using uh, a uh, an herbicide that's going to kill the grasses. You know, you could use a non-selective herbicide. Uh, that's something that contains, uh, for example, active ingredient glyphosate, or uh, another uh, potential ingredient would be glufosinate. Uh, there are various brands that use those. Um, there are some herbicides that work t- just against grasses. So if you had a combination of, of, of weeds and grasses, you know, something like a, a grass herbicide would not be that effective. Uh, but an example of a grass-only herbicide is the active ingredient sethoxidium, and you'll find that in a number of different brands. But if you've got less than 50%, then probably you're a good candidate for killing it all off and starting over. So if you do decide to do that, you know, you, you, you apply the herbicide to the to the area that's going to be renovated. You know, you kill the existing vegetation there, give the herbicide a chance uh, a chance to do its job. And then, um, you know, do your preparation work. Uh, it's probably a good idea to – anything you can do to reduce the amount of surface litter uh, that, that's left out there that would interfere with, you know, those grass seed from reaching the ground. If you can remove that surf, a portion of that surface litter, then you're going to improve the potential for seed germination. So mowing it off uh, short after it's dead, uh, scraping up the clippings, raking up the clippings is a good idea. Uh, then maybe running a, a, a power rake or a dethatcher through there to, to loosen up some of that material and also help remove it. And then, you know, core aerate it um, or use a slit seeder or a combination of the two, uh, things that are going to open the ground up to make uh, those bare soil spaces for those grass seed to germ or the grass seed to contact is going to improve your germination. Now, if you've got greater than 50% desirable ground cover, then you're a candidate just for overseeding. You know, if you do have some broadleaf weeds uh, in there, you know, they, they would be appropriate to use a, a broadleaf herbicide. So mm-hmm. those, are, those are products that only have activity against broadleaf plants. They don't have activity against grasses. And so you give them a chance to, to do their job if you apply that broadleaf herbicide. The label on those products are going to, uh, is going to tell you what the waiting period is after you apply the herbicide product before you plant the seeds. And typically there is going to be some waiting period there, so you want to follow that. 
and then after that uh, uh, period has passed then you would you know plant the grass seed and again you can use some of the same methods that you'd use for a total renovation uh, a, a slit seeder uh, is a good option to interseed grasses into an existing turf uh, because that's a machine available at rental stores it's called a slit seeder because it cuts slits into the ground you know small furrows and plants the grass into the grass seed into those furrows um, so it actually does it while it's doing the slits. One, one job, you know, one pass across there. So you're cultivating the ground and planting the seed. It's it's like a, you know, it's a small scale drill or planter that would be used on on a farm, uh, but it does that on a small scale. So that's uh, that's a good tool for doing that. Um, a lot of people will just use a core aerator. Uh, to open up spaces by pulling those plugs out of the ground. They create bare spaces in the ground uh, for those grass seed to fall into, and that can be successful as well. You know, this year, uh, a lot of I, army worms have been an issue. And, I'm not know, familiar with fall, army worms. Fall army worms. They're, they're caterpillars, and in my 34 years with the, the extension service, this is – this is the first year that I've seen army worms uh, in home lawns uh, here. I have heard of them in the past. You know, my, you might have uh, a call every two or three years about somebody had sod uh, installed and there were some army worms, and, and they feed on the grass, and they are pretty devastating to the grass. For whatever reason, it was just a perfect storm uh, for army worm populations, not just here, but uh, apparently across the United States this year, but uh, uh, entomologists are saying that this is the the greatest outbreak that they have seen in 30 odd years. So a lot of yards have been damaged by fall armyworms. So there there are a lot of places that are in need of renovation. Uh, so you know I say all that to, that we're in this period right now, this window uh, of uh, uh, the preferred time to plant cool season grass seed so take advantage of it now if you do have army worms is there anything you need to be uh, you know concerned with <clears throat> well army worms are caterpillars in 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 the worm the the, the worm stage or the, the the larval stage is is just one stage in their life cycle you know they're moths uh the adults are moths and the, the moths lay eggs the eggs hatch and the, and the little larva drop down on the grass and they start to feed They'll feed for 10, 12, 14 days. just depends on uh, temperature and conditions at the time. And they can eat a lot of grasses. I mean, they can eat a lot of grass. It, it can, you can have green grass. Uh, well, there at Lane Agri Park, for example, uh, at the grass plots on Friday afternoon, August 20th, you know, grass all looked pretty good. On Monday morning, August 23rd, I had places where they were totally browned out, uh, where the army worms had, had done enough damage, you know, to – show that dead grass out there mm-hmm. showed up very plainly um they don't stick around forever you know they've got a finite life cycle and after you know, those worms have gone through their 10 12 14 days of feeding they burrow into the soil surface uh, down uh, below the surface you know anywhere from a half inch to you know maybe three inches deep and they pupate and after um, a couple of weeks of pupation, then the, the adult moth emerges and the cycle starts over again. Um, the, if you had army worms, that doesn't mean you're going to get another uh, uh, population of them this year, although potentially you could. Um, 
the, the danger of, of army worms is going to be gone after frost. They don't they don't overwinter here. Uh, we have to be reinfested every year uh, because our winters are too cold for them to survive. Uh, typically, the army worm populations that affect us, they overwinter uh, in South Florida, uh, parts of Texas, and every year they're, they, they they fly back in. You know, the adult moths, they, uh, uh, they're carried on wind currents and whatnot and come into the Tennessee area, uh, and, and, and they do their thing. We can have up to four or five generations in the course of a given year. So if you had army worm damage, you know, the, it's only going to last for – the army worms are only going to be there for so long that particular flush is or that particular generation. But – because they're gone or because you use an insecticide to kill them does not mean there won't be others. So you kind of have to be on the lookout for those things. Uh, and there are a lot of insecticides that are effective against army worms. Most of the uh, those that are classified as pyrethroids, uh, insecticides that end in T-H-R-I-N, such as uh, bifenthrin or uh, cyfluthrin or beta-cyfluthrin uh, or gamma-cyhalothrin, those are effective against army worms so they can be used as well as uh, uh, other types of insecticides we've got a publication uh, at the ut extension office it's also available at the ut extension web page uh, you know lawn insects and how to control them uh, it's got uh, uh, a listing in there of different products to use against some of these different uh, pests that you may find in home lawns including army worms I was uh, listening to Brian Barrett the other day, and he was talking with the folks over at the Farmer's Almanac, and they said that the first frost for fall in in this Middle Tennessee area is around October 28th. But there's some other ways to to tell that scientifically, Uh, and I don't recall whether it was dealing with woolly worms, or I know there's... There's a thing about that. We need to get Dwayne Trill back. Oh, yeah. He, he can speak more intelligently about that <laughs> it's than about I could. the fogs in August. Fogs in August, yeah. And <clears throat> I don't know how many fogs we've had in August. I do know that uh, you know the weather app on my phone has announced several times in the middle of the night that the, 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 the weather service has issued a, a fog advisory for the next day. So I don't know how many times Tells that you occurred that in the middle in of the night. Oh, yes. Yeah, always waits till in the middle of the night to tell you that. So, but, uh, <laughs> That's stuff if, you need. If... if <laughs> If there's anything to that, then uh, I think that has to do with snows, though, doesn't it? Is, is I'm not it, sure I, what I'm, it I'm does. thinking that's what it is, if my memory serves me correctly. If somebody out there uh, has that information on the tip the of your number tongue. number of fogs in August relates <laughs> to us. the number of significant snows you'll have in the yeah. coming winter. Or, or maybe it doesn't. I don't know. <laughs> How's Wayne doing? You know, the last time I talked to Dwayne, he was doing well. Okay, Dwayne, give us a shout. We miss seeing yeah, you and he's, uh, he's, uh, he's miss a, he's hearing a about the. But you know, the almanac uh, said around the twenty eighth. Yeah, twenty eighth. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's a pretty good ballpark figure, uh, based on historical data for uh, for for Murfreesboro, Tennessee. There's probably a fifty percent probability that it's going to have that first. We're going to have that first frost, you know, by the on October twenty second. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you wait just a few days till around the first part of November, there's a ninety percent probability that we'll have our first frost. So yeah, that that October twenty eighth is is right in the ballpark. Now, will most of the things in your garden already have uh, gone away by that time? Or well, the cool, the warm season stuff. Will warm have, season, you know, okay. like your squashes and tomatoes and so on. But now the cool season crops. Uh, 
uh, turnips. I mean, you can still plant turnips. If you want turnip greens, you can still, still plant, plant those. Okay. Now, sure you can. Or you can still plant radishes. You can still plant spinach, things like that. Uh, but now those crops, they're, they're cool crops, and they'll survive uh, a lot of that frost. So that's, you know, they're going to be fine. Um, so and, and you folks, can plant those now and still have them growing and eat them? Sure. Okay. Sure. Yeah, they 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 tolerate frost. That's you know that's why they're called cold crops or cool not not yeah. cold but cold weather crops or cool season crops. They'll tolerate frost. So there's only two or three months in this area that you can't have a garden that's producing. You know, if you've got the right setup, you can grow something all the time. <laughs> have you know you know have some protection whether it's a small yeah. greenhouse or whatnot. But yeah, outside you can you can grow plants. Uh, uh, Vegetable plants of some sort, uh, yeah, yeah, nearly all year long. Well, I was listening on Swap and Shop this morning. Somebody had some window sashes with uh, with glass in them. Yeah, the glass panes for for five bucks. uh, You could use that as a boxes. Yeah, sure you could. Uh, And how how high up that would go on the top, right, or on the sides to let the light in? If you're talking about uh, you know like making a, a a hot box. You know, basically, you build the frame on the ground, and you lay these over the top. Okay. And then so it's you know it uses solar gain to heat the, yeah. heat the ground there. And then on, on warm days, even like in uh, my father was his goal was to always have the first tomatoes. Mm-hmm. So he would put tomato plants in the ground. Sometimes tail end of February, first part of March, and then had his you know his, his hot box out there, and he was planting these outside in the ground. Um, and then uh, on a good sunny day, even in, in, in February, you know, temperature gets up to 50 degrees. Well, <laughs> under that glass, on a bright sunny day, you might get hotter than that. You have to open it up. So let that heat out, but uh, uh, cover it back up in the evenings. So when did he have tomatoes then? Oh, about the same time everybody else did. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, but he had fun with it. <laughs> oh, yeah, he did. I mean, you, yeah, he does. I mean, the sooner you put them out, you know, if they grow, sure, your, your chances are, are better. But typically, he would, he would always have them before the 4th of July. Okay. Wow. Tell you what, let's do. Let's pause for just a moment. We'll be back. We'll take some phone calls. If you have a question or if you have a comment about the folklore uh, forecast, give us a shout. Uh, We need some help on that one. 615-893-1450. If you have a question dealing with lawns and gardens, Mitchell is here to answer those questions. We'll also talk about the farmer's market. Uh, we're, we're getting sort of close to the end of those, uh, another month, I guess. Month and a piece, yeah. Yeah. So stay right here. You don't want to miss any of this. The Dave Ramsey Show, weekdays from 1 to 4. your good neighbor station. Broadway County's place to talk. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Restaurant. Demas's Restaurants are now hiring. We are looking for grill cooks and other kitchen employees with competitive pay and flexible hours. If you're looking for full-time work or part-time work, then Demas's is the place to be. We've been voted a top workplace for five years in a row by the Tennessean. Apply within or online at demasesrestaurants.com. Demas's Family Restaurants on 1115 Northwest Broad Street. Hi, this is Dan Mitchell at Music World and Drummer's Den, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. 
Come on over to Music World and Drummer's Den for lessons on any instrument with strings, keys, or drums. We also have a full line of live sound, uh, amplification, PA systems, lights, everything you need to play your local venues. We are your local music store. You need to come see us. Music World and Drummer's Den, 2762 South Church Street, across from Indian Hills Golf Course. It's so important that we recognize our veterans, shake their hands and say how proud we are of the service that they have given to our country and that we thank them for that. I am Becky Bookner and we salute our veterans. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. In this salute, we talk to a veteran who served in the Marines. Andrew Farr, Marine combat veteran. I was born in Nashville, grew up in uh, New Hampshire, uh, went to boarding school, went to college, and then uh, enlisted in the Marine Corps. Did four years, three combat tours, and then got out in 2008. A combat veteran is not an easy job. No, it wasn't when I was in. And not you, for the Vietnam vets, uh, not for Korea, World right. War One, World War Two. Those guys had it rough. And I, I did have it rough, but not as not as bad as those guys. Well, that's that's true. And I think it's because society is, as a whole is becoming more aware of what we're asking yes. of our military personnel. You said you did three tours. It, that was uncommon. In Back Vietnam. then. Vietnam, you did one tour, two tours. That was it. But now we have guys doing three, five, six. six. seven. I've known a guy who did eight tours. Uh, we did the Democratic vote in 05 okay. in Iraq. We were part of that. 2006, eh, not so much humanitarian. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2007, definitely humanitarian. We actually helped out Bangladesh in 07 when they had that micro tornado. We gave them food and water and, and uh, helped them uh, recover bodies from the mess. I think that our foreign policy in particular is asking a lot of the men and women yes, sir. in this country. I agree. Andrew Farr, Marine combat veteran. I'm Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle. This has been a salute to veterans on WGNS Radio. Restoration One of Middle Tennessee. A team of experts and immediate responders who help homeowners after disaster strikes. After disaster strikes. Fire, water, or storm damage. We can help you get your life back to normal quickly. Restoration One MiddleTennessee.com. Locally and veteran owned. Good morning. Still quite a bit of traffic volume on 24 right now up through the Hickory Hollow area, headed towards Nashville. Stop and go out here up and down. Sam Ridley pretty much on schedule right now up by the Nissan plants as well. Oktoberfest at Obrey Gatlinburg, September 24th through October 31st. Log on today, ObreyGatlinburg.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Also, I understand there was a pretty bad accident this morning over in front of Uncle Sandy's gas station. Over at 2019 South Church Street happened about 6.20 this morning. And I understand there may be some investigators still over there perusing the scene, trying to determine what happened. We'll see a few spotty showers and storms possible late this afternoon. A blend of clouds and sunshine develops a high in the mid-80s. Southeast winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 65. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Did you know we specialize in commercial and fleet business? We're equipped to handle all of your company's automotive needs. Download our Tire World app today for free oil changes and electronic coupons. Come by today for all of your automotive needs. Online at tireworld.us. The GNS in our call stands for Good Neighbor Station. That's been our objective since 1947. WGNS, AM, FM, and online. We are back. 
615-893-1450, Talking Lawns and Gardens. Mitchell Moats with us from the Rutherford County Agricultural Extension Service. Mitchell, we have an interesting question here from one of our listeners. Uh, they texted this in and said, Is my yard only as good as my neighbor makes their yard? In other words, what your neighbor does, it sort of flows over. Sure. <clears throat> that's, yeah, that's, that's a good question, I guess. Um, it, in, without a qu- there are certainly instances when what goes on in your neighbor's yard can have an impact of some sort on your lawn. Uh, but but that doesn't mean that you that let's say your neighbor you know and and for whatever reason they you know law's not an issue for them it's, it's not a high priority for them so they don't they don't do anything uh, to try to improve the lawn they just like some green cover out there that they can mow during the summertime and, and, and that's about the extent of the lawn care uh, but that doesn't mean that yours can, cannot be uh, uh, better that, that it cannot have a higher quality uh, than those on either side of you um if your neighbors don't follow a fertility program, well, you can, okay? And, and, and fertility program is going to improve uh, the, the turf growth uh, in, in your lawn, whether you know, regardless of what your neighbors do. And, you know, the things that you do uh, to, uh, as far as good agronomic practices or good horticultural practices to promote uh, turf grass growth is going to make uh, the, the turf population better in your yard than it is, say, in someone's yard who doesn't follow those things. And, and so the things that you do, uh, uh, for example, how, how high do you mow, how short do you mow? Well, if your neighbor scalps their yard, then chances are really good they're going to have way more weeds out there than they do grass. So when you think you're doing yourself a favor, you're hurting yourself. If you want grass, yeah, you are in that case. But <laughs> if you don't care, it doesn't matter, right? And it's, it's yours. You do whatever you want to with it. But uh, the the point is that uh, so just because a neighbor scalps their yard over there uh, and, and that stresses the grass to the point that it, at some point it starts to die out because you're forcing it to use stored energy versus uh, creating its own energy through you know, sunlight uh, capturing through photosynthesis uh, in the leaf tissue because it keeps the leaf tissue cut off all the time, so it has to rely on stored energy. Um, just because they do that don't mean you have to do that. And you mow at the correct height, so you maintain a, a, a higher canopy. Uh, you maintain a more dense population of grass. So even if the neighbor has uh, a large population of dandelions, for example, that's a good one to use because dandelions have a, have a windborne seed, Okay, the little puff balls, those seed, you know, wind blows, they can scatter everywhere. If if the grass in your yard uh, is, is thick, there's less open space in your yard there for that seed to have a place to grow. Can those seed blow into the yard? Absolutely they can. But if there's not a place for them to uh, uh, to contact the ground and to grow, then, you know, they're not going to, uh, you're not going to get that population of uh, dandelion started in your yard. So... <clears throat> You know, yeah, what what goes on in, uh, in the neighbor's yard can have an effect on yours, but it doesn't have to have a major effect. Um, you know, you want to follow good practices, you want to follow good fertility program, et cetera, those kinds of things. A, a caveat to that, let's say that you have a, a tall fescue lawn and the neighbor uh, adjacent to you has a Bermuda grass lawn. You're going to get Bermuda grass creeping over into your yard very likely. Uh, if, if you know if you, if you had to bet whether it's going to happen or not, then I would bet that yes, it's going to happen at some point, because tall fescue is a 
is a bunch grass. It doesn't creep. It doesn't spread. It'll stay where you put it. Bermuda grass spreads by stolons above ground and by rhizomes below ground. And it's not just Bermuda grass. I mean, uh, a zoysia grass does that too. If you've got a neighbor adjacent to you, then yes, and, and they have those grasses, then yeah, they're going to have some creep into your yard. There are things that you can do uh, uh, from a, uh, an herbicide standpoint that will suppress uh, the growth of those grasses into your yard. Um, and if it's important to you that you keep them out, then you're going to have to follow those steps. But you know, the, the, the question was, does what my neighbor does is it going to mm-hmm. make is it right. going to is it going to dictate the quality of mine? Not necessarily. Okay, it can influence it to an extent. But uh, you know, if you follow good practices and do what you uh, uh, do, what you're supposed to do, do what you should do uh, to favor good turf grass growth and development, then you can certainly have a, a higher quality turf than someone right beside you that does not follow those practices. Here's another text from another listener, and they're saying, "Are you going to replant the wildflowers at the extension office, and also tell me how I can successfully plant?" similar flowers at my garden sure and the answer to that is yes uh, we are going to uh, this was the the third uh, year for those wildflowers there and and, and they kind of thinned out some uh, so we you know they already mowed those down and uh, um, what what we're going to do actually is going to plant uh, some winter cover uh, crop on there uh, here in the next couple of weeks uh, going to plant some crimson clover, so it'll have a pretty red bloom on it. Going to plant some rapeseed; it'll have a uh, a yellow flower, uh, and and also some uh, uh, winter peas, just to give ground cover out there to keep weed growth down during uh, during the uh, the winter months. But also, it will provide color in the early springtime. Uh, and those are all annuals. So uh, as we transition out of uh, out of the winter into the spring, you'll start to see those bloom and, and you'll see color out there. We anticipate that to happen. You know, you never know uh, what's going to happen, but that's what should happen. That's should they expected. be doing that too? Should, well, should they be doing that? I mean, for the... If they want to, they can. I mean, you don't have to have winter color. You don't have to put a cover crop out there, but it's a good way to help keep, you know, unwanted weed growth down during the winter months. And then, as we transition out of the out of the winter into the spring, and those those annuals mature, you know, at some point we're going to go in and, and, and take those out, okay, cut those off, uh, and and do some you know minor cultivation on the ground uh, after we get past frost danger, and we're going to sow uh, the, the wildflower seed uh, uh, back onto that pollinator island, just like we've done in the past be a similar mix uh, th- that we had there previously so you know if you want to do that in, in in your garden at home absolutely you can uh, the ones that provide you know the color during the summer those are uh, warm season plants so you, you plant those after the danger of frost um, you know you just want to uh, it's kind of like planting uh, planting grass I guess uh, if you've got a lot of growth out there on the area where you want to establish wildflowers you might want to kill that growth first uh, so they're just not going to be competing with uh, uh, with those germinating seeds after you plant them. But you, you, you kill the existing growth off. Then you come along and do something to cultivate that, whether it's uh, with, uh, you know, lightly disking it or, you know, lightly tilling it or, you know, heavy uh, core aeration, just something to open the ground up and then come along and broadcast those seed out there. Uh, and then you get moisture on it you know moisture and temperature and sunlight if you get those things together in the right combination then mm-hmm. you know growth happens um 
if, if folks want to talk about it in more detail, you know, they can give us a call here at the or at the extension office, 615-898-7710. Be glad to talk to them about it. Talk to me. Talk to my coworker, Rachel uh, Painter. Uh, talk to Anthony Tuggle. You know, we'd all be um, available to speak to you about that subject and, and others related to lawns and gardens and so on. Our phone number six one five eight nine three fourteen fifty. You can talk or text, whichever you prefer on that one. Six one five eight nine three fourteen fifty. And a text here is asking about: Is this a good time of the year to do a soil test? And do I have time to get the results back? Oh, Before at, I plant at, my grass, you, you should. Yeah, um, from the from the time the sample is received at the lab, typically it's two days. You get mm-hmm. a result back. Mm-hmm. Now, wow, uh, that's fast. It is fast, and and there you know a couple of different ways that you can get the sample to the lab. Um, one is uh, you send it yourself. Uh, or, or you can hand deliver it to the lab. You know, the lab's located on the campus of Ellington Ag Center in Nashville. And good place to visit anyway. It is. It is a nice place up there, but it's in the good uh, museum. There. It, it's it, it's just right down the street from the museum. Uh, but it's it's not it's not on the Department of Agriculture campus. It's adjacent to it uh, in the the Central Region Extension uh, 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 complex right there uh, on. Uh, 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 Marchant Drive. Anyway, uh, so if you want to uh, collect soil sample, <clears throat> you can go to the the University of Tennessee Soil Plant and Pest Center website and and go to the uh, uh, soil testing uh, uh, section. You can find a uh, information sheet, a direction sheet on there about how you should collect that soil sample, how you can package it up, uh, uh, the paperwork to fill out to send in with it, you know, in, in the address where to send it to, and you can you can mail it there yourself. Uh, another option would be uh, to collect the soil sample, bring it to the Extension Service office here. Uh, we're at 315 John R. Rice Boulevard, Suite 101. Uh, bring it in there and be glad to help you package it up, fill out the paperwork, and, and we can send it uh, to the lab. Now, we're, we're going to mail it also, you know, but uh, uh, so... You know, if you bring it to us and then we mail it, that's just making a little more time, I guess, for the sample to get there. But uh, uh, typically from the time it hits the lab, about two days later, you're going to get your soil test results back. Is this a good time? Sure it is. Uh, it's a fine time to do it. Um, and and it, a soil test report is going to have a lot of good information. It's going to, And ours is a fertility lab. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes folks ask, well, I want to know if there are you know, any contaminants in the soil or whatnot. Our lab does not test for those things. It is strictly a fertility lab, so it measures soil, uh, nutrient levels, pH, uh, and then makes recommendations as to fertilization programs to follow for the various crops you may be growing. And that crop could be turf grass. It could be ornamental trees. It could be acid-loving shrubs, and the list goes on and on and on. So you, you determine or you, you tell the folks at the lab what crop or crops you're going to be growing when you fill out the information sheet, and you're going to get a report back that, that uh, uh, has has fertilization recommendations for those crops you said you're going to grow on this site that you sampled. Very good. Here's a, another question for us, and this person's curious about uh, the renovations at the Ag Center after the car ran through the front of the building. They're, How's that coming? They're taking place. You know, they're they're <laughs> they're coming along. Um, 
the uh, not quite as quickly as the uh, soil. No, response. it's not nearly as fast as that. <laughs> uh, so, so the the brickwork has been replaced on the back wall where they they exited. You know the auditorium. So they actually came in. Oh, and they came out. in and out. Yeah. So they knocked the hole. You know, knocked the front doors out and then knocked the hole in the wall uh, where there were no doors on the back side, and uh, and so that's been repaired back there. Uh, I, th- I think there's a, a hold-up or a, a long waiting period to get replacement doors and windows. Uh, the, the window that was taken out and then the five doors across the front, you know, they're still, those spaces are still boarded up with plywood. Uh, flooring uh, in, the, in the foyer area, the entrance, uh, that has been replaced. Uh, they've started to replace flooring, uh, uh, floor covering uh, in, in the lobby area. Uh, they have done, I think, I think most of the drywall work uh, has been completed. Uh, the, uh, uh, the folding walls that divide the auditorium from one large space into three smaller spaces have been replaced. So is that room uh, usable yet? No, no, no. It's no, it's not. It's not. I mean, there, there, no coverings on the floor. You know, no painting uh, has been done inside uh, um, inside the uh, the auditorium itself. Uh, still, lots of uh, you know, just you know, open plugs and whatnot, uh, electrical things that are still left to be repaired. But you know, progress is is taking place. Good. Very good. Uh, one thing we have not talked about, and this is tomorrow, a big day, the Farmer's oh, Market. Farmer's Market, yeah. yeah. It's a big, big event there, 7 o'clock in the morning. <clears throat> 7 to noon, Tuesdays and Fridays. And uh, uh, fr- Fridays are typically larger days uh, uh, than Tuesdays are, especially once school resumes. And, uh, boy, the last several Fridays, they've been good days, market days. And still a good selection of, uh, of vegetables. Uh, and still got some fruits out there, watermelons and such as that. You know, they, I, I picked up one this last Tuesday there at the market, a uh, good little sugar baby watermelon. Um, starting to see flowers, uh, flowers that you can set out, as well as the cut flowers for bouquets. Uh, vendors still have those. And then beginning in October, October will be the final month, uh, that's uh, – uh, You'll have some, in, in addition to the, the, the fruit and vegetable vendors, you'll also have some of the more craft-type vendors uh, and so on that, that will be a part of the market throughout the month of October. But I guess that last Friday in October will be uh, the last market day. Okay, so uh, you still have a few more markets? Yeah. And head on over there. And if you're concerned about planting something, wondering if it will grow in this area, it started in this area. <laughs> these these are vendors who are here. Yeah, they you know folks from they're they're not traveling in from Kentucky or from Mississippi or other places. They're they're <laughs> from you know Middle Tennessee, not all from Rutherford County, no, but they're certainly from Middle Tennessee here. And so uh, the the plants that you get over there should work at your place. That's that's right. And do they from. have bushes and trees as well as flowers? You say you said the flowers. Yeah, yeah. so you're starting to see uh, uh and I suspect there'll be mums there pretty soon. Uh, I, I haven't well I haven't really looked for any uh but I, there has traditionally been vendors selling mums uh, mm-hmm. at the market. I'll just say it that way. Uh but yeah, uh, some shrubbery, you know, hydrangeas uh, uh for example. Uh, I've seen 
Oh, uh, these vendor big with or hydrant. What? Yeah, I mean they're you know in in the three gallon pots of the okay. containers. Yeah, containers. So pots. they're they're handled. You can handle it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Now on trees, you had mentioned something a while back on other shows uh, about smaller trees do better. Well, they, they, big they grow faster. You know, yeah. a, a small a small plant will typically take off and establish faster than a large one will. And and so what you make up for by having, you know, more plant mass there to start with, you know, that that's negated, I guess, by the, uh, generally speaking, by how fast that smaller plant uh, establishes itself and takes off and grows. And I haven't noticed anybody selling trees, uh, not to say that there won't be some, I don't know. But uh, uh, any of the things they're selling there, you can, you can carry home in your car. All right. And that is tomorrow from 7 until noon right there at the Lane Agri Park. Assuming it's, you have more than a two-seater car, I guess. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't come over in a, a teeny-tiny vehicle there. Yeah. Mitchell Boats with us. We're going to check on the traffic and weather. We will return. If you have a question, we only have about uh, eight minutes left, so don't wait around and in the last 30 seconds, give us a call. Uh, get with us now, 615-893-1450. If you want to talk sports, you want to talk local, you want to talk with Monty Hill Jr. and Tim Tackett, it's all sports talk. Weekdays at 5 on WGNS. Does your home need freshening up? Let our family at Fair Construction help you. We do painting, new flooring, anything that you need. If you can dream it, Fair Construction can turn it into reality. Fair Construction offers high-quality craftsmanship, quick response, and attention to detail. For home restoration at a price you can afford, Fair Construction can get the job done no matter how big or small it is. I'm Ron Hall. Shop local. Let our family business help you. Fair Construction Company. My name is Mary Edith Martin McFarland, and I love Adams Place for many reasons. And the most important thing to me is the people. It has a whole wealth of lovely, loving, caring people. The people that live here and the people that work here. And they're very gracious. And that's why Adams Place is wonderful for me. I feel safe, and I love Adams Place. Good morning. Still quite a bit of traffic volume on 24 right now up through the Hickory Hollow area. Headed towards Nashville. Stop and go out here up and down Sam Ridley. Pretty much on schedule right now by the Nissan plants as well. Oktoberfest at Obrey Gatlinburg, September 24th through October 31st. Log on today, obreygatlinburg.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. We'll see a few spotty showers and storms possible late this afternoon. A blend of clouds and sunshine develops a high in the mid-80s. Southeast winds at 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 65. This is Kim Dunaway from Sunshine Nutrition Center. You hear me on Monday mornings at 720 talking about how to lead a healthier lifestyle. We carry supplements, personal care, and grocery items at both our Murfreesboro and Smyrna locations, family-owned and operated since 1989. Join me, America's career coach Ken Coleman, weekdays live at noon here on News Radio WGNS for practical advice to help you discover the work you were born to do. About six minutes left in our broadcast, so if you have a question, text it to us now or call us 615 893 1450. That's it. 
615-893-1450. Mitchell Motes with us from the Rutherford County Agricultural Extension Service. Good morning. You're on WGNS with Mitchell Moat. How are you today? I'm doing just fine. Thanks for asking. I am trying to find out when would be the best time to uh, spread the poison for the uh, insects that the moles eat. What time would what time of the year would that be? Okay, uh, and so just just real quick, uh, I'm not going to tell you how to make a watch to tell you what time it is, but uh, you know when you say to to, uh, to use insecticide to kill the things that uh, moles eat, understand that moles eat a lot of different kinds of insects, and you know that includes ants and mealbugs and and, and pill. Uh, 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 pill bugs and uh, they eat snails and they eat uh, earthworms, you know, night crawlers, grubs, and so on. Now, from a grub standpoint, um, using uh, a product such as uh, 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 Dialox, for example, is a brand. Uh, you know, this this late summer, early fall is not a bad time to put that out there because those uh, uh, green June beetles and so on. They're still relatively small uh, and, and may be still fairly uh, uh, shallow in the ground. Uh, so that's not a bad time of the year to put those out there. Uh, and, you know, things that will control uh, uh, ants uh, because moles will certainly eat ants. And, you know, any time of the year that you got ants present uh, is is a good time to control the ants, okay, as far as that goes. But but generally speaking, when folks ask about moles, I guess, or to kill insects that moles eat, they're talking about grubs. Uh, and, and so for a product such as Dialox, you know, this late summer, early fall uh, is, is not a bad time to do that. Uh, a thing to keep in mind is... That's that insecticide has got to get down through the soil surface uh, and down in the soil itself. And these insecticides are just by their nature, uh, the way they're made, they're going to uh, be caught up in, in organic matter. And the more organic matter there is, uh, for example, you know, if you've got like dead grass or, or thatch layer on uh, uh, below uh, below the uh, uh, the grass between the grass and the soil surface. Um, it's going to minimize the amount of the insecticide that gets down there. So dethatching a lawn prior to application of a soil insecticide may help improve uh, the amount of insecticide that gets down into the soil. Also, if it's been dry uh, for a few days, you know, if you've gone a week or so without rain, especially uh, you know this late summer time frame, ground can dry out fairly fast. It might be a good idea to irrigate the ground first uh, to get some moisture in it to help encourage those insects to be a little closer to the surface and then after the insecticide is applied uh, some irrigation to help carry it down into that soil surface can also improve uh, improve results if you use a product uh, that has the active ingredient in it, imidacloprid which is used uh, for um, things like Japanese beetles it should be applied in the the, the springtime frame, that, that May June time period, uh, but for things uh, that, for example, Dialox is a brand. You know, now is not a now is a pretty good time to do that. Okay, our phone number again six one five eight nine three fourteen fifty, and uh, a person is wanting to ask you uh, right now: Do we have any lantern flies in Tennessee? 
Not aware of eating. I'm not sure. What is a lanternfly? Uh, it's an imported pest. Um, that, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's, it's one of those imported pests. Have not uh, uh, not aware of any uh, confirmations of, of uh, the spotted lanternfly uh, in, in, in Tennessee. Okay. Nor of any murder hornets in Tennessee. Good. Uh, you know, Never heard but, of either one of them. Well, the murder hornets, you know, folks catch uh, uh, cicada killers and, and the European hornets and think they found a murder hornet. Uh, the closest murder hornet to us is thus far has been in Washington State. So, pretty thankfully, far away. Thankfully, we're we're we don't have those. Okay, now, but we we do have uh, the the thing that comes in and sneaks in as it gets colder, sneaks into our houses. You know, so that's a good point. You know, we're approaching that time of year. Typically, in October uh, is when those, well, that's a few weeks those away. occur. A few yeah. weeks away, uh, we get uh, uh, stink bugs. Yeah, brown stink. marmorated stink bugs. Also, uh, the multicolored Asian lady beetles like to come in and spend the winter inside your home. Uh, frost, uh, typically the, the, the first good, good cool frost night uh, is is a trigger to, to encourage those to come in. So, so doing some insecticide treatments around the exterior of the home, around potential entry points, around windows, around doors, around uh, you know foundation vents, around uh, plumbing cuts, or any any kind any potential entry point into the house uh, can help minimize the numbers of those pests that do get into your home. You don't need to do it right now, uh, but as as you, we move up into October and you start watching forecasts and you know you. The, you're going to start seeing uh, increasing chances of frost occurring and so on. You'd like to have those insecticide applications made prior to that frost occurring. And, you know, you can hire exterminators to do that, or you can do it yourself. It's not uh, it's not an extremely difficult thing. The kinds of insecticides, again, uh, it's kind of like what we mentioned for the armyworms, pyrethroid insecticides, things like bifenthrin, permethrin, uh, uh, beta-cyfluthrin, uh, you'll find those in a variety of insecticide products that are packaged for homeowners at garden centers uh, and retail outlets uh, all around the area. Uh, you know, follow your directions about mixing those and applying to the exteriors and maybe even the soil area just right around adjacent to houses. It can help keep things down like, you know, ants and so on that uh, uh, might also want to get in your house too. Mitchell Boat visiting with us this morning from the Rutherford County Agricultural Extension Service. Don't forget the Farmer's Market in the morning. And that's uh, 7 until noon at the Lane Agri-Park. Mitchell, thank you for joining us. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Bart. News Radio.